right. Benjamin, you did a great job wherever he did. He already took off. He took, he's gone. We have a Portuguese translator, and he's five years old. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, on that note, real quick, those of you who uh, usually follow along with our translation service, uh, it's not working at the moment. So um, if you're looking for that and it's not working, they're still working on this thing, but it may not be up operational today. But um, we are thankful that you guys are here, that you braved the cold. And uh, for those of you who are guests, because we have quite a few guests uh, this morning, this is a little bit hot for me. But, um, the um, uh, We have a lot of guests this morning. So I, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you are with us this morning. Um, maybe you're just visiting for the day, um, or maybe you're doing uh, searching around for what might be your church home. We just want you to know that uh, that we're thankful that you're here and you're welcome here. If there's anything that we can do as a church family to help you come alongside of you, um, we want to do that. If we didn't get a chance, uh, Miss Penny is in the back and she has a little gift uh, for you just for being our guest. It has a little bit of information about our church um, and we'd love to, uh, to be able to give that to you. This morning we are continuing our, our, our journey through the book of Acts. And so again, if you're a guest, we're going to be uh, walking through that together. The words for the scriptures will be on the screen, but if you would like a Bible, we have a copy in the back, and we'd be happy to give, to, give you one so you can use it today. Um, uh, but we're going to be in, uh, in Acts and continuing our series, our series there. This morning, the, the topic, the title, is The Global Heart of God. The Global Heart of God. And you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to get us started in, in Revelation the last book of the Bible, <clears throat> chapter 5. Just to sort of set it up for a second, in, 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 in uh, Revelation chapter 5, uh, John has been brought up into heaven to, with, by vision to be able to see the things that are going to happen in the future. And so God sort of ushers him in and gives him a glimpse of the things that are to, to come. And during that, we have a beautiful uh, uh, section, of, a beautiful um, uh, word of, of the heart of God, a glimpse, a snapshot of God's heart for not some, not a few, but for the world. At the end of this, um, Jesus comes on the scene, and he is the lamb who was slain. And so in look, picking up in verse, in verse 9, uh, the elders, and they come alongside the throne of God, worshiping the lamb of God. And it says in verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, O Lord, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So we look at the very end of, the, of the, the last book of the Bible, we get to see this beautiful picture that God has a heart for the world. But it's not just, it's, it's, it's what we're going to see, and it's my, my hope this morning as we walk through this is that it's not something that's new. It's always been God's heart and always been God's plan for every tongue and every tribe and every nation to come to the knowledge of, of Him. So today's passage is, is pretty huge. Uh, especially as in, in implications for those of us who, um, who are believers in all that, that God has done uh, for us. Um, so 
growing up, um, I'm very thankful for the upbringing that I had. I'm thankful for my mom and my dad and how they how they sort of steered and 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 guided us through throughout life. Um, but one thing that I appreciate most of what they did was um, when when we saw brokenness in the world, which we all see, right? We see it all around us. We see you see we see all kinds of of bad things and brokenness in the world. But when whenever we saw those kinds of things, um, they were quick to point us to. Um, that the problem wasn't... Well, let me give you an example. So if we saw something on TV, there was a, somebody who committed a crime, or we saw something that somebody did something, you know, whatever. It wasn't like... My, my mom and dad never said, hey, look at... Can you believe those kind of people? It was always... The reason they're doing this, Jared, is because they need Jesus. And so they were always steering our hearts towards... It's, the problem is not a specific group of people. The problem is every single person separated from God. Right? So there's a, there's a massive difference there. Um, now, what's funny... Now, my mom's here so I can tell this story. Um, now, they also did try to tell us, hey, there's, like, there's things that are, that are not good. And, and, um, and so I, I love this story because she tells me that when I was about three, four years old... She was telling us that, that cigarettes were bad, right? She was like, you know, don't, 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 don't touch those things. So she had taken me shopping at the grocery store, and somebody apparently in front of us was, uh, was buying cigarettes. And so I just flat out told them. I said, no, no, bad, bad. <laughs> and my mom was mortified um, at that. But, but that's not what they were trying to instill in my heart. What they were trying to instill is that every single person, uh, because of sin, have been separated from God, and that's the brokenness that we see. And so it's not about a specific group of people that's the problem, right? It's a problem that resides in every single one of our hearts apart from Jesus. And so uh, what we're going to see this morning is that God's not partial, does not show partiality or favoritism to a specific group of people that God has a heart for every single person, all nations, at all times. So, in Acts, so Pastor Kevin finished up in Acts chapter 9 uh, last week, and I'm going to pick up just the, end of the, the tail end of that chapter. And we have a lot to work through. Uh, we're not going to read every single bit of it, but we're going to journey this morning through it, okay, together. And we're going to see all that God has for us. So in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 31... And so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So we're continuing to see this theme. The church is growing day by day, moment by moment. Lives are being changed. The gospel is going forward and the church is growing. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sherod saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Um, uh, Let me just actually just finish the story out. And now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. Uh, She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. 
And when they had washed her, they laid her up in the upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. Turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling all, then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Now, I love this because you, the first snapshot we see of Peter, he's just, he's just rolling. Like he's literally just walking from place to place, fulfilling the calling that God has on his life, right? So he, he said to go, and so Peter is quite literally going place to place, moment by moment, town to town, for places and ways to share the gospel of, of Jesus. And now what's also cool is that, what is he doing? He's modeling the ministry that he saw in the Lord Jesus. So as he goes, in fact, what's, what's cool here is that these stories... The way, even the way that he spoke to Aeneas and the way that he spoke to Tabitha sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Like it sounds a lot like the ministry of Jesus. And so if we, if you remember back in, in John chapter 5, when we walked through the series through John, uh, we came about this man who was uh, paralyzed for 38 years and, um, and he was, you know, just completely lost without hope in the world. And Jesus comes and he changes this man's life. But what's crazy is that he says, do you want to be healed? And he says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, Peter does the very similar thing, even down to the words that he uses. He's modeling the life of Jesus. Uh, we see the same thing with, with Tabitha, with Tabitha here as well. And there's other stories where you see where the disciples are just kind of following in footstep with what Jesus did. Now, there's a massive difference, though, in the ministry of the disciples and the apostles and the ministry of Jesus. And it's seen right here. So when Peter is healing, or he's talking to Aeneas, he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Right? There's something fundamental that Peter knew. That everything that he was doing, he was not doing in his own power or his own strength or his own authority, was he? He was doing it all in the authority and the power in the name of Jesus. And everybody knew it. And so then, as a result, and this is so cool, because after these, these miraculous things are done, what happens? They don't turn towards Peter. It says they turn to the Lord. The same thing happens after uh, Tabitha is healed. It became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Here's my point. The, everything that they did was surrounded by, consumed with, centered on the name of Jesus. Every ministry that they did, every, every person that they ministered to, they, they did so as a way to point people to Jesus. It wasn't about their name. It wasn't about their church. It wasn't about their movement. It was all about the name of Jesus. I say that because that's how we have to be today. It's not about Hope Valley Church. It's not about our specific small group or gathering. It's all so that we can take people and we can usher them to and point them to Jesus. And so that's what we see here in the life of the early church. And it's incredible to see how, how they're modeling the life of Jesus, but then all the glory gets pushed and pointed back to Jesus. And so we got, um, we got Peter here, and he's rolling. He's, he's doing some, some great things. 
He's doing all that God called him to do, mostly. Mostly. But there's some things that that God is going to have to do in Peter's heart. And not just Peter. And the reason I'm... I want to look at my own heart today because there's things that God needs to do and continue to do in my own heart. You know, in the spiritual life, there's never a point where you've just arrived, right? Okay, I've, I've done it. I've attained it. Uh, man, I'm just, I'm just there. No, I, that we don't get to that point here in this, in this life. By the grace of Jesus, though, we get to, in following him, become more and more like him every single day. That's the desire of our hearts that's what we long for. It's what we, we live for. But we're not going to attain perfection this side of, of eternity. And so Peter here has some things that God's going to have to need. He's going to need to like kind of show him. The problem is, for many of us, uh, it's easy for us to miss what's right in front of us. It's easier for us to miss and, uh, what God has been saying or or uh, it's just easy for us to miss what's, what's right in front of us. I remember this guy in college um, who sat beside me in one of my classes. And it was, it was funny because he never could seem to remember when we were going to have a quiz or a test or, or whatever. And it actually kind of became a joke in the classroom because whenever the professor would come in, he'd come in and say, okay, class, get out a piece of paper, ready for your quiz. And this dude would every time be like, what? Today? Oh, today? And we're like, I'm like, dude, he just told us Monday. Like he just said, he wrote it on the board, like quiz on Wednesday. And like, what do you like? But it was so funny because it, every single time, all right, guys, we're going to have a test today. Oh, today. And we're like, oh, no, this is. <laughs> then I remember one day, um, our projects, our final project, our paper was due for the class. And he comes in. I have my paper on my desk. He comes in, sits down. And he was like, oh, no, that's. That's today. I said, yes, dude, it's today. Like, what, what are you, where have you been? What are you not, you haven't been listening. What's funny and ironic about that is that this guy now is killing it. Like, he's, he's actually the president of a church planting network, and he's planted all kinds of churches in North Carolina. But uh, I didn't see that coming when we were in class. Um, so, I'm not going to say his name, though, but he's, he's doing awesome now. It's easy, though. For us to miss what God has clearly spoken and what God has clearly said. Well, so what is it then that Peter has missed? What is it go, what's going on here that God has to transform and shift in his life? And that is what we've been talking about, that God has a heart for the entire world. In Matthew 28, just before Jesus ascended, we, talk, we, call, we call this the Great Commission, right? So the, we say, when Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. So from the beginning, the commission was there. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we talked about this, is that Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now here's what's funny. So for them, they, they, could, they could track with the Jerusalem part, right? That's, that was their home. That's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm there. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Got it. I'm in. Let's roll. And you'll be my, my, uh, my witnesses in Judea. A little bit further out, I'm still, still tracking with you. And you'll be my, my, my witnesses in Samaria. Hang on. 
now that's where the Samaritans are. God, you you understand what you're saying here? Like those are like those are the half breeds, and 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 Jesus is like exactly. Yeah, I'm sending you there. Like that's where that's where I'm calling you to go. And then to the ends of the a ends ends of the earth. Okay, well, hey, now hang on. Now that's where the Gentiles are. Like. No, I don't think I don't think we heard you right because those are the pagans, the idol worshippers. Like, the like there's us. Like, like we're your people. We've got the temple. Like, there's us, and then there's them. And certainly, you don't want us to go to them. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's exactly where I'm sending you. But up to this point, they haven't gone there. So there's some things that God has got to to show them. And so he's saying, I'm not just sending you to your people. I'm not just sending you to your, to your grandmother and your grandfather, which I am. He, that, that's included in that. But it doesn't stop there. He says, I'm sending you way beyond that, outside of your comfort zone, outside of your, your, those that you think are you know, more like you, that look like you, that act like you. I'm, I'm sending you outside of your own little bubble. Why? Because God has a heart for the entire world and that was difficult it was difficult for them to grasp but they needed to because this isn't new it was always the heart in the plan of god how do i know that what's crazy is that if you go to the book of genesis from the very beginning god calls a man named abraham right we went through genesis recently as well as a church god calls a man named abram and he says in genesis 12 verse 1 he says now the lord said to abram Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And in and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, what the, the, what the Jewish people knew is that that was a promise, that, that there was someone coming. There was a promised seed. There was this Messiah figure who was coming. But again, partially what, what was missed is that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. Now, what's incredible is that you go to Galatians now, New Testament, Galatians chapter 3. And this exact passage is quoted by the Apostle Paul. So in, in, look at verse 7, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. He says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. What is he saying? There's the gospel in Genesis right there. The gospel of God's heart for all men and all women and all people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. God desires for all men everywhere to be saved. And that's the gospel that's preached from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. God has a heart for the world. So Peter needs to understand that there's a shift going on on here. So... What we see in, in chapter 10 uh, is what we're going to continue uh, to read through. Um, is that there's a preparation that needs to take place in Peter's heart and in um, a man named Cornelius. So look at 10 verse 1. 
At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. Bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier, and and among them uh, those who, who had attended or served him. And having related everything to him, he sent them to Joppa to go and find Peter. So we got this man named Cornelius, and God is preparing his heart to receive the word that he's going to send Peter to. Um, what's neat about this guy is that Cornelius was not a Jewish man. He was, he was a Roman. He was a, in fact, he was a very powerful Roman um, uh, army sol- uh, soldier or commander uh, officer. And so he would have been the exact kind of person that the Jews did not like and did not want because they were under the oppression and they didn't want that. And so they, they would have tried to... This, so this has been somebody who was not wanted, was not desirable, was not acceptable to the, to the Jewish people. And yet, we're told that he feared God. So what's going on here? We have a guy who's not a part of the, the covenant people of, of God. He's not a, part, he's not a Jewish uh, person. But yet he fears God. So what does that mean? It means that he knows of God. He believes that the God of Israel is the one true God. It means he's probably forsaken sort of the idols and the, the pagan rituals of, of his own people. And he believes in God. He believes that God is there. He believes what God has done. But yet he's not yet saved. We know that because in the later chapter after this... Uh, the angel through the vision tells him that I'm going to send someone to you and by his message you will be saved. So he's not, so he, he's a God-fearer. It means he's very religious, but he's not yet born again. He's not yet saved. And so God is preparing his heart like very specifically to receive the message of the gospel. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing right now. Like God right now through his Holy Spirit, is preparing hearts all over the world to receive the message of Jesus. In fact, you and I wouldn't be here this morning if the Holy Spirit hadn't at one point in time worked in our own hearts. If the Holy Spirit of God hadn't, hadn't drawn us to him, hadn't worked inside and brought conviction of sin to us, like every single one of us who's a follower, believer in Jesus has that story that God has brought us to him. So God is preparing Cornelius' heart, but now he's got to prepare Peter's heart. So what does he do? Look at verse 9. It says, The next day as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop on the sixth hour to pray. So what does that mean? So they're already coming. So God's already sending Cornelius' people to get Peter. And while that's happening, now he's working and he's going to do this this profound uh, work in Peter's heart. And so he became hungry, he wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens open and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners uh, on the earth. And on it, on the sheet, were all kinds of animals, 
reptiles, and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time saying, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the, thing was, uh, and the thing was taken up, or the sheet was taken up once again to heaven. So you had this vision, this dream that Peter has, where the sheet comes down from heaven with all kinds of animals. What that would have meant is, so it would have meant uh, for a Jew, clean animals that they could have eaten and unclean animals that they could not have eaten according to the Jewish law. And so... Now, that would have been strange in and of itself because you don't mix those kind of things. Like, you, you, don't, you don't mix that or else all of it would then be defiled and you couldn't eat any of it. So he's like, no, I, so it's already strange to him. But then when God says take and eat, you know, Peter's like, wait, well, hang on. No, you don't, we, don't, we don't do that. We, in fact, we don't even go, we don't even touch a table that some of that unclean things have sat on. We don't go near that. And, and the Lord's saying, no, I'm telling you, don't call unclean or common what I have declared and called clean. Now, Peter's going to be perplexed by this and try to understand what exactly is God saying here? Well, he's saying a lot of things. And so certainly uh, it's going to be that, um, that the foods that were at one point in time for them that were off limits, God is saying that's no longer the case. Um, the, sort of these, these ceremonial things that we, throughout the, the Old Testament, he's saying but there's actually something more profound that he's pointing to. It's not about the food. So while Peter is trying to figure this out, like what's, what's going on, what's happening. So look at verse 17. So now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what this vision might mean, behold, men were, uh, who were sent by Cornelius, having the uh, made inquiry of Simon's house, stood at the gate. So they're knocking. So God's timing is absolutely perfect, right? So he's sitting there thinking, what could this dream possibly mean? And there's a knock at the door, and there's people there. Like, like God has completely orchestrated this event. So he brings them in. Um, and they're standing at the gate, and they called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one that you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright, God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. And had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down to his feet and worshipped. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, for I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. He said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me. So we're starting to click, right? It's starting to click in, sink in here. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked you then, why have you sent for me? So it's starting to sink in a little bit. He's starting to see, okay, like something else is, something significant is happening here. Where, where God is showing me that he wasn't talking just about the food. He's talking about people. People that I have set aside 
as um, completely untouchable. Don't go near them. Don't eat. Don't do anything with them. And God is saying, I'm, I'm telling you that there's going to be this, this beautiful mixture. And this is what's so incredible. So just like when the, the, the sheet came down and there was a mixture of these animals, he's saying there's going to be a beautiful mixture of people from every tongue and every tribe and every nation that's going to be redeemed by the Lord. And so this is an incredible thing for him because like, this, is, this is a game changer now that this, begins to, this truth begins to, to sink in. But what I, what I love here is that God has beautifully orchestrated this event. Right? He, he knew exactly where Peter was. He knew exactly where Cornelius was. And he knew where he was going to do to, to bring them together. And then when he does, like this is incredible. So like God, God sets it up in such a way that Cornelius is ready. He's ready to receive whatever it is. Like, you, like just speak it. Like I'm ready. And he, in fact, he grabs all of his family and says, like, get, just get ready. Because there's a message that we're about to hear that we need to hear. So let's just, like let's go. Like what is it? Like, talk about throwing somebody a softball. Like, it's just, he's just ready, just ready to communicate and share the gospel because God works and orchestrates these things. Maybe, maybe you've had a moment now, like, in your life where you could say, man, God just absolutely just set this up. God absolutely knew that I needed to be in this specific spot at this time so I could meet that person. And, like, maybe you've had one of those moments. I know for me, several years ago, we were, uh, my daughters and I were, um, uh, we were in Blacksburg, and, and maybe, maybe I've, I've even shared this story before, but we were in Blacksburg, and we were going to a coffee shop. Um, one of our daughters had left the van door open, and, uh, and so uh, we, we went and sat down. Well, so this guy had noticed it, who was a, a nearby business, had noticed that we left our van door open, um, closed the door, no, no, came to us first and said, hey, um, I noticed that your van door was open. And uh, just I wanted to let you know I was going to close it for you. And I was like, oh, man, that's so awesome. Thank you so much. Well, we had our coffee, went back to the van. And uh, it was like the Lord just sort of stopped me and just said, hey, you, you need to go say hey to that guy. You need to go say thank you. You need to go talk to him. And I was like, okay, I, I could do that. So um, I found him out near his, near his shop. And um, so I left the van. Girls were in the van. I walked over, started talking to him. And I said, hey, I just want to say thank you so much for, um, you, know, uh, you know, for what you did. Now, let me set the context. I'm talking to a man named TR. You guys know, many of you know TR, who was a Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor, uh, and he's a lot bigger than me, right? So um, his arm is about as big as my body, and, and, and so I look over at him. I'm just kind of like keeping my distance a little bit, so I'm just like, hey, just want to let you know, thank you so much for doing that, and I, and I was like, um, so hey, I just want to ask you, is there some way that I could, like, that I could pray for you? And he stopped, and he turned around, and he looked at me in the eyes. He said, are you kidding me? I was like, oh, okay, this is it. This is how I die. This is over. I'm about to be in half in front of my daughters. Tears began to come down his cheeks. He said, are you, are you serious right now? He said, my life is falling Heart. And he began to share the things that were going on through his life. And, and, and God set us up with this beautiful moment right there to pray together over uh, our, our van with my daughters there. And then God set us up for us to have this incredible discipleship relationship together uh, because God orchestrates things like opportunities like that. 
The question isn't, are the opportunities there? Because he gives them to us. Do we have eyes to see what God is doing, who he's leading us to, and those things that he is setting up? And so this encounter is perfectly put together by the Lord. Why? Because Cornelius needs to hear about Jesus. You, you track him with me? Like he, like he is a God-fearer. He's a religious person, but he's not saved. He doesn't know Jesus. And how is he going to hear unless somebody tells him? And so God, in his love and his mercy and his grace, sends Peter to communicate the message of the gospel. And so in verse 34... It says, Peter opens up his mouth and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. It's, it's now fully sinking in. He, he gets it. Okay, I see God. I see what you're doing. I can I understand now that, that God shows no partiality. The, the word there is actually the only time it's ever used in the entire New Testament. Uh, it's, it's the word that, that refers to um, ethnic or racial favoritism. And he says, God shows no ethnic or racial favoritism. This is a God who has a heart for the world. God shows no partiality. And then something absolutely incredible happens. So, so Peter shares the gospel with him. Okay, so he shares the gospel. Now, you'll see that in verses 34 um, through the end of 43. He's sharing the gospel with him. And then verse 44, and while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, the Jewish people uh, who had come with Peter, were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain there some days. This is absolutely incredible. So they're like amazed. Before their very eyes, they, they see like the, the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's incredible. Like it says, while he's still speaking. So like these, these group of people believe, they, they place their faith in Jesus without even saying a word. Right? Like he doesn't even lead them in a sinner's prayer. Isn't that crazy? Like he just, he preaches the gospel and the Holy Spirit of God does its work in their hearts. And they are, uh, they are transformed in that very moment. And they're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. And their lives are changed forever. And so this is what Peter gets to see. This is what God's been up to. This is what God has been doing. Galatians chapter 3, 27 through 29 says, For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here there is neither Jew nor Greek or Gentile. There's neither slave or free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So God has done something incredibly beautiful where he's, where he's grafting in, he's, he's drawing in people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and people. 
to be recipients of his grace. Now, I wish I could tell you that's the end of the story and that everybody rejoiced and celebrated. Uh, That's not exactly the case. In chapter 11, we're not going to go through the entire chapter together. Um, But word begins to leak out about what's happened. And not everybody is happy. Imagine that. Not everybody in the church is happy about a decision that's made. Um, Well, they're not happy. Uh, There's people that are very upset by this. And so they... They call to get, uh, to get a report of what is this that's happened? How is it that the gospel is being preached to Gentiles? And so, um, chapter 11, Peter then begins just to retell. He begins to retell the story. This is what happened. So I was just laying there. And then God gives me this vision. This blanket comes down. There's animals. There's unclean animals and there's clean animals. And they're mixed together. And, and I don't understand it all. I don't know exactly what God's doing. But I'm just telling you, this is what happened. And so he shares that. He talks about Cornelius. God was already working in this man named Cornelius. And I didn't know how to get there, but he got me there. And it's like all of this is the work of God. He talks about the, 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 uh, how the Holy Spirit has come upon these. He's, like, he's just telling them. Like, I'm just saying Like, I don't understand it all. I'm just telling you what God's doing. And so he begins to explain this to to them and all that that has happened. But you think about it. For many of us, it's, it's hard for some people, many people, and all of us. I'll just just speak to us. Um, Maybe it's not always comfortable when somebody is different than you. Right? So maybe somebody is, uh, they don't, they don't act exactly like you or they don't dress exactly like you or there's just something that's different about them um, and it, it, there's a hesitancy sometimes for us to draw near to people who are different from us but what he is teaching them and now what these new believers in this church are going to be learning is that no like we, we, we don't get to make that decision we don't get to shun some people because they look different act different uh, live in a different place, come from a different family. Like, we don't, we don't get to make that decision. I, I love, my mom and dad have a, have a picture in their living room, uh, or in, in, their, in their dining room, um, and it's, uh, actually, I have a picture of, of, it's not this exact one, but it says, um, if you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. You guys ever seen that before? When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. Which is ironic at our family's gatherings because we need lots and lots of tables for our, for our family. But God is saying and in, in, in calling us and you and me to, to purge our hearts of our, of our prejudice, of our partiality, of looking to people and favoring people above one group, above another group. And he says that is anti-gospel. It's anti-gospel. So he's teaching these believers. Uh, And then look at verse 15. And so, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as it was on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could stand in God's way. Isn't that a beautiful statement? Who am I that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard these things, they fell silent. There's nothing else to say. 
And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Right? So they, they, they see it too. Like, God, what is, wow. Like, this is amazing. Like, they'll talk about, Paul will talk about this later as this, as this beautiful mystery where God, by his grace, has, has brought people who were, who were completely separated and drawn them together as one, as one body, as one family, united in Christ. And so I wish I could also tell you that this is the last time they struggle with this. It's not. We're going to see in just a couple weeks that they, the church battles with this. Even Peter himself has, has struggles. And, um, and so they're not, they're not perfectly put together. But God is doing something in their hearts in the same way that he wants to work in yours and mine. That he wants to, the, 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 the ugly things that, that's, that want to rise up out of us, he wants to destroy and rid of in our lives completely. He wants to change you and me to be more like him. I love this at the end. God has granted repentance that leads to life. You know, it's a miracle that any one of us is saved. Right? Like, it's a miracle. Like, but not them. Like, he couldn't do that. for Like, that's, that person's like, they're way beyond. Like, No. But that's not, that's not it at all. Like, it's a miracle that any, any one of us is saved. Uh, it's, it's a miracle that, that God stepped into our hearts. It's a miracle that God tore down the, 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 uh, the walls that we had up. It's, it's a miracle that God, by His Spirit, drew us to Himself. It's a miracle that we should never get over, that we should never forget. But what about those in the world? What about those in your family, in mine? What about those in our neighborhood who haven't had that miracle yet? I know right now, like you could think of them. You could think of people that God's placed in your path. You can think of people that God has um, brought to your mind, someone that you know is far from him. So what about those people who haven't yet called on the name of the Lord to be saved? One of our trips that we took to Uganda, I don't know if it was the one, Aaron, that you and Penny were on or, or not, I can't remember, but um, one of our trips in Uganda, we were, um, again, just God gives beautiful opportunities to share uh, his glorious message with people. And one, one thing I love is that um, when I get to sit down with somebody and through an interpreter, just face to face, just get to open up the Bible and just say, can I, can I tell you, can I show you? Like the amazing grace of Jesus and the, the way that he has demonstrated his love for you on the cross. And, like, and just being able to sit down with someone and just tell. And what's incredible is that so many times we find people who haven't heard it yet. And that's like a whole other world. Like for, especially for us in America where like it's, it's on every, it's everywhere. It's all around us. But there's so many places that it's not. Um. And I remember this one specific time. We were there and sharing the gospel with this, this man. And he received the word with just joy and like just eagerness and was ready. Like he was ready. He's like, yeah, I, yeah that's, I'm, I, I want to believe. I want to turn from my sin. I want to follow Jesus. And, and, and so in that moment, so we, we had this beautiful moment where we had to share the gospel. He responded in faith and repentance. And, and, and here's what's crazy. though. So we're about to say our goodbyes. And he said, 
through an interpreter. He said, I have been waiting for this message my entire life. What took you so long to get here? Like, what? What took you so long to get here? So God has given each and every single one of us opportunities. Let's pray. Let's ask for the Lord to to open our eyes to see them. And then just to give us the boldness to take those opportunities. And maybe... But you can tell them how God has changed your life. You can share your story and what God has done for you. And then you can point them to the person who, where hope and life and salvation is found. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your conviction. And I thank you for the miracle of salvation. How you've brought us from death into life. Lord, I pray right now for those in our families, for those of our friends in our neighborhoods, those in our neighboring nations, those all throughout the world who do not yet know you, many who have never even heard your name. Lord, that you would that you would send us, that we would send others. And that we'd be a part of carrying your name to the ends of the earth. So Lord, would you do that through Hope Valley? Would you do that through the the believers in this church and other churches? Would you use us? Take our eyes off of of our prejudice, off of our favoritism. Help us to see people like you see them. And Lord, that's a miracle that you have to do in us. So would you do that this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have a time of invitation. Maybe you're here this morning, and that's that's sort of where you're at. Maybe you'd say, yeah, I've I think I've, I don't view people the way that Jesus views them. And that's your prayer this morning, is that God would change that in your heart. But maybe you're here this morning, and you say, I don't, I don't even know Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't know him. I've not been saved. I don't, I don't know it, like I'm confused, or I'm lost, or I, I don't even know where I'm at. And I want you to know the same Jesus who died on the cross to to, to take the sin of the world on himself who was buried and then rose again three days later victorious the same Jesus who then transformed the lives of or, these 12 ordinary men who then turned the world upside down who, who saved them by his grace the same Jesus who saved those of us in this, in this room this morning who were followers of him is the same Jesus who wants to save you this morning if you will call on his name So I'm going to ask you, church family, would you stand to your feet? We're going to sing together.
And I would ask this, if you're here and you have questions, if you have doubts about your relationship with Jesus, I'm going to be right here and I would love to talk to you. I'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're just carrying a heavy burden. You say, I just need somebody to, to help. I need somebody to, to walk with me. I need somebody to pray with me. Uh, we're going to be right here. And that's exactly what this time is for. It's exactly what this moment is for. So take this time as we sing together.